Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. monster the Japanese call Godzilla has just walked out of Tokyo Bay. We begin the attack on Earth now. We persuaded the thing to help you with what little power it has left. Godzilla now reigns supreme and will, in all probability, continue his march towards Tokyo, destroying everything in his path as they go. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. And welcome to episode 93 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the episode for September 2013 and the Daikaiju discussion episode for Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. And we're talking about the 1974 version of the film. And with me here in the studio, and we are just about to go watch the movie, Mr. Jeff Dean. Hello, people. Martin Vavra. Hey, hey. Brian and Rachel Cook. What's up, everybody? Hi there. And uh, they're going to be joining us, joining you for the next hour-ish to talk about this fantastic film. But of course, we always have music to play at the top of the show, starting with a request from Adam for the Jimmy Caster Bunch's King Kong. Komosame Kong! Kong. 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 
Brontosaurus launched a sneak attack. They fought. First Kong went down, then up again. The fight went on. No one knew who would win. Kong reached and seized the monster with both hands. Then summoned all the strength at his command. He stretched the creature's mouth till it was split. Then like a child, began to play with it.
Okay, so uh, what we started off there was Jimmy Caster Bunch's King Kong. Nice little disco track. How about that second track, Knife Head from Beauty and the Liquid Men? It's kind of a, like a, I don't even know how to describe it, almost industrialized kind of sound. And then we finish things up with Mechagodzilla, or technically it's called Aliens Mechagodzilla, and that's from Heavy Melody Music, and that is from the Godzilla Unleashed soundtrack. Uh, and the reason I played that is because, you know, it's called Mechagodzilla. Which brings us to our Daikaiju discussion class. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews. For the following discussion episode, thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that the show will keep going for a long, long time. This month, we are talking about the 1974 Showa classic, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. This film marks the last entry in the series for both the director, Jun Fukuda, and composer, Masaru Sato. But it also marks the return of some veteran Toho actors, Akihiko Hirata, Hiroshi Koizumi, and a brief appearance by Kenji Sahara. So, Martin, you'll be happy about that. <laughs> and uh, this movie was made after Godzilla vs. Megalon the, the following year. And, of course, Megalon tanked at the box office in Japan, and it brought the numbers up. Uh, this movie brought the numbers up in attendance, but not enough to save the series, so only one more Godzilla film appeared in the Showa era. It was distributed theatrically here in America by Cinema Shares, the same company who released Godzilla vs. Megalon, which actually did fairly well. And when the announcement to release Godzilla vs. The Bionic Monster was made, Universal Studios threatened Cinema Shares with a lawsuit and forced them to change the name. And the result was Godzilla vs. The Cosmic Monster. Uh, now we are going to go and watch the movie right now, and we'll be back in a minute to talk about it. So we just finished watching Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1974, not to be confused with the 1993 or the 2002 versions of Godzilla something, Mechagodzilla. Uh, and I think this is another one of those weird instances where everyone in the room has seen this film before. So nothing's new Nothing to expose someone to, just awesomeness all, all the way around. Uh, does anybody have any initial thoughts they want to just kick off with? Rachel, I'm looking at you. I love the rainbow psychedelic rays of Mechagodzilla. That was fun and punchy and just makes you happy. Uh, it makes me really like Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I like. I, I, I cheered for him. I like the rainbow ray uh, coming out of his eyes, but I like it even better when it com goes into King Caesar's eye and out the other one back at Mechagodzilla. I thought that was pretty rad. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brian? Initial thoughts? Well, I don't like seeing Angulus die. No. Or sort of die. Or I don't injured. think he died. Although he doesn't. You're right. He doesn't come back in the Showa era, does yeah. he? And I was waiting for him to come back in the Heisei era, and I would always think of that moment when he crawls back underground, and never happened for me. So yeah, I, you know, I don't understand why they never brought him back. I know that you know it was obviously a, a topic of discussion and and part of the first draft for GMK, yeah. but uh, or I guess it would have been something different then. But uh, like I don't understand why he's not as popular in Japan as he is here. 
and uh, I, I'm also disappointed that we didn't get to see him uh, until Final Wars, really. Yeah. It was Which, a long time. And I'm not a big fan of that, the Final Wars design, so. Oh, yeah. That's understandable. Definitely understandable. Uh, actually, uh, okay, so we'll finish our final thoughts, and then I have a question if I can remember to to write it down which i'm going to try and do right now martin what are your uh not final thoughts what are your I was gonna say, can, we, can we do the first and thoughts we're, <laughs> and we're finished we're thank you all for coming out yes. oh man yeah uh what initial thoughts i have a love-hate relationship with this film this is the third time i've seen it and there are things about this film i absolutely love and then there's other times where i'm like uh, stop <laughs> well, it is. It is one of the '70s films, so it, you know. Do you give it a little bit of leeway just because it's from the era where cinema in Japan was dying? I should. When you say it like that, no. <laughs> but I, I should have said that at the beginning of the movie before right. we started watching. Yeah. It. He's trying to guilt you. That's yeah. he's leading you. You should like this because it all ended after this. No, man, I don't I don't really think in those terms because, uh, you know, for me, uh, and I'll just say this briefly before we get to Jeff, like, this is a nostalgic Godzilla movie for, for me. Like, I've seen this one probably more than any other 70s Godzilla film. And, you know, it's just one of those ones that I really enjoy. I, the dubbing is terrible, but I enjoy it because it's what I remember. So, you know, this... This is one of my favorite 70s Showa films, you know, and it's because it's so nostalgic to me. So, I I, I mean, did you grow up with this at all? Like, does, when was no. the first time you saw this movie? Here. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Most of these movies are that way. I, I, I don't have a childhood memory of most of these films. Yeah. I, I actually listened to your first episode um, a, a while ago, the very first episode of the nice. Cast, and uh <laughs> Uh, and I remember when I was asking you like which movies you had seen and you were just kind of like, I don't know, like bits and pieces or what I remember. But uh, before we go too far down that path, <laughs> Mr. Jeff Dean, initial thoughts. How many, how many times have you seen this movie? I've seen this movie many times, though not that many times over the last 15 years or 20 years. Right. Really. But um, reach for the sky. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, this movie is a hoot. I think it's got some gems in it. That is for sure. Uh, okay, so the question I had for for the for the lot of you before we move into our standard topics is uh, for those of you who have seen multiple Godzilla, Mechagodzilla titles, where does this one sit? Because we've got uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, the one we saw tonight. Uh, we'll we'll take out Terror of Mechagodzilla because technically it's not a versus film. <laughs> and then there's the '93 Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla that, and to remind Martin, which one that is. That's the one where uh, they try, they almost successfully blow up Godzilla's uh, brain in his spinal cord mm-hmm. area, and uh, but then Rodan sacrifices himself, and then. Rodan come, I mean, Godzilla comes back to life, essentially. And then, I don't know if you've seen this one, Martin, but then there's Godzilla x Mechagodzilla or Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, which is um, from 2002, which is this dude here who I can barely reach, but it's Kiryu. I don't. I don't think I've seen that one. You haven't seen this guy here. He's going to poke out from this. Well, I've seen. I've seen that 
yeah, that figure, but I haven't seen that film. Okay, yeah. All right. So I was just curious. But for the rest of you, too, like, where does the 74 film sit in that, you know, three... Does it take bronze, silver, or gold as far as best Mechagodzilla film? Uh, I thought about that on the way over, actually. Um, and I was thinking that I actually like the 2002 one probably the best as a movie. This is definitely the most nostalgic one. This is, like Jeff was saying, you haven't watched it a lot in the last 15 years. With the Heisei movies, I watched those movies more often but when i was a kid this was one of the most recent godzilla movies so i watched this one a lot as a kid yeah so uh i think i probably like this one better than the 93 version not to make fun of the 93 version i like that one a lot but um yeah i think the 2002 one's best than this one than 93 so right on how about you rachel I don't remember the 93 one that well. I'm just thinking right now. Um, but I know that we have watched the 2002 version multiple times, and I really like that one. And um, and this one, I I guess I haven't really thought about comparing them that much, even though they're both Mechagodzilla, well, all three Mechagodzilla movies, um, because I think they're very different. Oh, they are very you know, different. So all three are very different. I don't think about it that much, but... Um, but it is the same guy, and so. But I, I, I think this one's so much fun, um, and the other ones, it's, the 2002 one's very serious. Yeah, I would say that even though it's the same, uh, same creature, kaiju, robot, mecha in yeah. in name, the character itself is vastly different between yes. the three versions. Exactly. That's why I don't. Re- I guess I don't compare them in my mind yeah. that much. Um, but I would say that I, I also placed the 2002 one a little bit higher than this one. This one's a little more goofy and, you know, just... A little? Uh, yeah, <laughs> very much more goofy. I, I chuckled a lot during this movie, um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy both. But I think I would put it at the... This one would be the silver category. Gotcha, gotcha. would be gold to go with your... I understand. There, I so. understand. Uh, so, Martin, you have not seen the Kiryu film, but, you know, between this one and the other one you've seen, which is the 93 one from the Heisei era, I don't know how well you remember that. I, I don't remember it very well, but uh, I'll actually answer it in the grand scheme of the films that we've watched since I'm actually kind of the amateur at this. Okay. I actually rate this one kind of high, even though I've got the the hate moments about this one the the love hate issues in there i i really i enjoy this film for all of the bad things that drive me nuts about it it's like a jelly filled donut when you get to the middle and there's that whole gooey mess that goes on in there it's still enjoyable yeah do i yeah i don't I know love why I, I but lo- it's I, still good yeah and mr dean what is your ranking, sir? I, I agree with what everybody has said with the 2002 p- being the better film, but I still think this one, um, it's not my favorite, but it's my, I think it's the, it takes the silver. Okay. Um, so 2002 takes the gold for you, or the... 2002 takes the gold. Okay. Um, but I find it really hard to compare them. It's almost like comparing the 66 Batman TV show against 
the Christopher Nolan Batman. They're just so different. Yeah, you maybe know what a I mean? little bit like comparing those guys, but yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like it's like it's hard to pick. Yeah. I well, mean, all three it, but, all three films are are very flawed. I mean, not and none of them have yeah, uh, are yeah. perfect by any means. And I I really do I mean, for me this this one actually takes the gold for me just because of the enjoyability factor of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's so many things in here that I give it a pass because it's from the 70s. I give it a pass because it's nostalgic. And I also give it a pass because, and if Heather were here, I think she'd say the same thing. Like, that's the kind of thing that makes this movie actually a little more enjoyable is some of that, like, goofiness that we have going on, some of the weird stuff. Like, well, you know, we could talk about it in, in a little bit more detail later, but, like, those kind of things are actually a plus for me like i yeah i don't go oh god why did that jump cut happen i go eh, it's a jump cut <laughs> you know it's so cute yeah i mean i think you're you're absolutely right in that in that it appeals to people like us who grew up with it right but you know if you're going to show somebody a godzilla or a godzilla film who ha- who didn't grow up watching that in that era Oh, dude, I, no way. Yeah, I, I think totally it, agree. It would kind of be lost on them, as any movies like that would be. But this has like almost like a Plan 9 from Outer Space feel to it. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like there's so many kind of ridiculous things going on. And I just love the fact that they threw kind of all the stuff in like the, the apes. <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's just – and when I think about it now, it's like if I was to watch any of those three if I, again, it's like of the three Mechagodzilla films – I want to watch this one again. <laughs> like, now, it's like the dubbed version. Yeah, yeah. Which is just priceless. well, we t- okay. So uh, for the listeners out there, we we talked uh, a little bit. Actually, I think I just kind of made the executive decision that we're going to watch the dubbed version. Uh, that's one because I'm I'm actually very tired of <laughs> working working late and staying up late and stuff. But uh, the 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 quality of the Sony disc is very very good actually, and so there was no. There was no real reason except for the fact that you're you would actually be hearing the original actors' voices and uh, reading a, a subtitle script. But I, I want to say that some of those might even be dub titles, so we might have heard the exact same dialogue that they would have shown us on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned the apes, Brian. I had a question for you. Uh, have you ever seen? The Japanese Time of the Apes. Yes, have you yes. seen it? Yeah. Is it? It's terrible. Is it terrible? Okay. <laughs> it's uh, um, it's a Mystery Science Theater episode. Um, it's on the season zero of Mystery Science really? Theater, which is their public access, and then they did it again in season four. But I actually own the movie with no Mystery Science Theater on it. Okay, I'm that kind of person. Yeah, no, no. I, um, that's why I'm asking you to begin with. Is I figured if if you hadn't seen it, I was gonna maybe school you, but I figured you had yeah. seen it. So it uh, the movie is actually uh, it's it was a Japanese TV show, and the movie that we have over here is like two of the episodes crunched together, and it is a very bad Planet of the Apes knockoff. Yeah, um, I I remember like when I was a kid, or not a kid, but a teenager when VHS first came out. Mm-hmm. I think it was like Good Times Video or somebody had that. I remember seeing like yeah. Time of the Apes. I'm like, oh, man, this looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I rented it. I'm just like, what yeah. the hell is this? <laughs> so how do the apes in Mechagodzilla look? Are the, are the aliens from the third 
planet and the black hole uh, <laughs> system. Uh, how do those uh, how do those costumes um, match well, up? I dig it. Obviously, it's uh, an ape's homage, and uh, for that, I love it. Um, <clears throat> I was actually thinking earlier that uh, all of the '70s movies, I, I have a lot of love for all of them. Um, you know, and I, I and all of them kind of have that alien um invasion thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all wasn't it all supposed to be one singular plot originally where it was gonna be like every new movie was supposed to further that plot just a little bit of like the Earth Defense Force. I think Geigen still has that in its name, but I think that's what they were they're aiming for. But Yeah, the oh man, the actual Japanese names of uh Oh my gosh! Thank you for bringing that up. Um, let's see if I can do it real quick without it being too much of a burden on the podcast. Yes, uh, Jap is a uh, not. It's called Earth Destruction Directive: Godzilla versus Gigan. Right, and uh, then presumably it would have been Earth Defense, uh, whatever those words were: Godzilla versus Megalon, and then Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. They were all supposed to be the same group of aliens. Huh, but the uh, but did that just end after Gigan? I think so. That is unfortunately something I've never actually read or or heard talked about before. That's I think I've only heard it, it referenced that way. So yeah, because uh, Megalon is straight up just Godzilla versus Megalon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's interesting. That's cool. It's uh, I like it when I learn new stuff. Because you know, clearly, I'm not the the be all end all when it comes to this stuff. Uh, what uh, what do you guys love about the film? Aside from its campiness and <laughs> Martin, I so I've brought this up many times. I'll probably bring it up every time this comes up on these movies. But um, so I love the initial Godzilla, uh, Mecha Godzilla fight. I love the the power plant area that they're in. I love the fact that those guys the suit actors are fighting (laughs) with fire all around them. That set is on fire. Yeah. Their suits are on fire a couple of times. There's fire and smoke everywhere. And those guys are rolling around They're You know, they're doing the throwing each. It's great. (laughs) It's, it just blows my mind. You know, the, uh, this is, uh, something that I'm sure a lot of listeners know. and, And Brian, you might know this and Jeff might even know it too, but, the the 70s era of godzilla films are are uh, are set apart from the 60s because uh, the 50s and 60s because uh Eiji Tsuburaya was the special effects director from the 50s and 60s and then he died in 1970 so anything after and actually just before he died was actually directed special effects were directed by Teruyoshi Nakano and that guy did the best that he could i think with what he had and the budget that he was given but uh, I think that he tend like uh, you hear how people say, oh, you know, they shot this scene at night to hide flaws. I think that instead of trying to hide things, Terry, <laughs> Terry, you should like, was basically like, I am going to blow everything up. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, it's like sort of like a, a smoke and mirrors kind of thing. Look over here. Look at the giant explosion, you know. 
I, th- I think it looks really great having it be at night because I think it's much more ominous. Oh, you see the big explosions. Look so much better at night. Yeah, yeah, and you see like silhouettes of, of, of Mecha Godzilla a couple of times in there when Godzilla is down and there's big plumes of smoke coming up. I think it's much more ominous with that kind of a shoot. It, I think it's great. Yeah, well, Nakano is very, he's well known for his massive explosions and, mm-hmm. and that scene with the in the, I guess, oil refinery mm-hmm. is. Very, very famous and and beloved by millions. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, because that's just gonna say that's like the best fight scene I think in the Mm seventies. That because it's it's like done really wide, and they leave the you know it's not like a lot of quick cuts, so you can't tell Mm -hmm. what the hell's going on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, very well done that that fight scene. And just the Godzilla versus Godzilla aspect of it looks really cool. So. Yeah, and the the music during it was great. The, during all of some the of the best music with, compared to the rest excellent. of the film. Oh, yeah. but hey, don't knock the opening like theme song from Mecha Godzilla when he makes. Oh his my appearance. gosh, that's the best! <laughs> I thought he was stepping out like on, in Vegas or something. And the, yes, and the cuts and everything they do. I love that, and the way I love <laughs> old Hawaii Five O. <laughs> their move, the movements of Godzilla and Mecha Godzilla, but mainly. Godzilla as he's walking around is so dainty like he keeps popping his shoulders up and his little arms like kind of like chicken wings like, he's I don't know he's, he's just really town, like yeah. just cruising along the Sinatra-esque feel yes, kind of yeah <laughs> Toby Maguire on the town oh yeah <laughs> Oh, it's a, yeah, seriously. No. <laughs> no. I knew what that was a reference to. No, no, no. Anyway, uh, Brian, what about you, man? What What's something you love about this film? It is the best of the seventies, you know. Um, I like the seventies flicks, um, but this is the one that is probably you can take the most serious. The rest of them always have something. Megalon's really cheesy. Um, Geigen, I like Geigen a lot, but it's definitely suffering from being on the cheap a little bit. And um, you know, I, I think that uh, this flick. I like it better than Terror of Mechagodzilla as well. Yeah, I do too. I mean, but that's because for me, I really like, you know, Jun Fukuda and I I love Masaru Sato. Mm -hmm. You brought up the Mm -hmm. score a second ago, Rachel, but, you know, and not to interrupt you too much, man, but I I have to say for, uh, for Godzilla fans out there that aren't as familiar with Sato's work, you know, keep in mind, not only did he do the Mechagodzilla, uh, score and he did uh uh son of godzilla he did oh my gosh godzilla versus the sea monster and all three of those scores have a very kind of like big bombastic sound to them in a sense but he also did the score for uh godzilla raids again and if you listen to all of those scores they are all very very different and they're all very well actually the score between son of godzilla and uh Mechagodzilla both share some stuff, but he's a very versatile uh, composer, is what I was going to say there. So I really love this. This uh, it's got some very memorable sound cues, and and I could actually put this on my iPod and just listen to it in the car at any time because it's got that it's it's very enjoyable kind of feel to it. Yeah, I, I love Sato and or Sato. I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. Uh, and he scored one of my top 
top three favorite movies, which would be Yojimbo by Akira Kurosawa. That, and you can, if you hear the music for that, it, it all has the same kind of earmark. You can tell it's the same guy. Yeah. So, yeah, sweet, great. sweet. Uh, Jeff, what about you, man? There's a lot I, I liked about this movie. Overall, I just love like the pacing of the whole thing. I don't think it ever is, is ever dull. It's very quickly paced. Um, I, I love the whole little kind of sp- spy thing going on. It's almost like a spy movie, you know. And you no, know, it's very, very, and, very and, cloak and dagger. And, and you have this like wonderful villain who's almost like a James Bond villain, always smoking a cigar. <laughs> Are you talking about the alien? The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, the yeah. commander yeah. from the you know third planet from the black hole. Yeah. Because <laughs> I couldn't Left tell eye gray. for a second yes. there, I didn't know if you were talking about the Interpol agent who just kept no. laughing inappropriately. No. No. <laughs> yeah, he was great too, though. <laughs> and one thing that must be mentioned: it was, it's nice that there's no child in this film. Yeah, which is rare for the '70s. Well, yes and no. There's really only uh, three movies that really, really heavily feature a child, in and the that would 70s. be well, '69 uh, was Godzilla's Revenge. Yeah. And then 71 was Hedora. Yeah, Hedora. And then Megalon, really. Yeah, because yeah, there's nothing in Gigan now. And I think that's kind of it for the entire Showa series, really. But for a while, and those are all later films, they were really getting more kitty like Oh, yeah, for know. sure. Actually, do you guys so. want to talk about that for a little bit? I mean, we've got mm-hmm. basically, this is... Uh, this this film came out when the Japanese uh, movie industry was just tanked. I mean, this is uh, the same reason you're seeing stuff like uh, aliens with a superior intellect kidnapping a human scientist to work on their, you know, their machines. <laughs> That's a fantastic. And the same reason you see, you know, his family kidnapped and and uh, monsters getting thrown around and stuff like that, that's because that's what kids were seeing on TV. I mean, this is the same... This is is essentially what passes for entertainment for kids in the 70s. And so um, this is why you see these weird things going on in the movies that in the 70s films that might not seem, you know, like they make sense and definitely... If you were to draw that steady decline of a line <laughs> of a graph going down in like the quality of the films, that's why they were able to get this stuff to to the theater and it wasn't it wasn't a problem because they really just needed to make the movies for what they were able to make them for and do things that brought the kids in. You know, I think this film was the very first Godzilla film I ever saw. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think you mentioned that before. That's yeah. that's awesome. And um so that's why, I, I mean, I love Godzilla. Cause I, cause I remember they would show this one, like this one and King Kong versus Godzilla a lot. Yeah. It seemed like those were the two they sh- either, you know, my local TV channel had, would get, seems like those two and only those two, it seemed like. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a blast. I yeah. I, I, now that you say that, I Megalon was my first one, but within months, I think I saw this one, like Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And the really, blood really spurting out of the neck. I, I remember, like, you know, when he's whipping Angelius' uh, mm-hmm. his jaw. I remember as a kid, you know, that kind of like, oh, he's bleeding. Yeah. But when Godzilla gets, you know, 
spurting blood from his neck. I'm pretty sure they edited that out on my because <laughs> I think that there's a lot a of blood spray just in in this yeah, film in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah, but I I think that would have made a big impression on mm-hmm. me when I was a kid, and I had like no recollection recollection of that. They probably edited that out for TV. I assume. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that they probably... I don't think they edited that much out of the CinemaShares version, but they definitely had to had to cut some stuff. Uh, did you guys know that uh, the same writer who wrote a whole bunch of the Godzilla stuff before, Shinichi Sekizawa, he also was involved in writing this film? And uh, one of the things I read, because I did do some research before watching this uh, tonight, um, is that his response when he was asked to write it was just kind of like, I don't think uh, I don't think we have any more Godzilla villains in in us. And then someone mentioned something about Mechanicong, which is the very first mechanical version of an existing kaiju. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he was like, "Oh, all right then, let me get started." <laughs> <laughs> and whipped this up with, I guess, some other people. Uh, what? Uh, do you guys have any any serious hate for anything in this film? Something that you just like? Let's cut it out, or Martin. You had mentioned the word hate. So the the whole kind of middle section that you find to be all cloak and dagger, exciting, thrilling, joyride through yes the, through yes. the serendipitous steps Uh-oh. of James Bond. It turns into I I find that that whole middle to be kind of a yawn factor in there. There's just like things going out like the they're standing on top of the, the well for what that that ship that was the most empty cruise ship I have ever seen you know and did <laughs> gun battle and everything extras yeah I could, but yeah and it was I, night they're all sleeping and I, and I get that in the perspective of the fact that the that the cinema was tanking at the time but yeah the the but they had enough money to send that thing out on the ocean and film from it but yeah there's nobody on board. And a guy steps across the camera in complete open, and he jumps across the camera while she's still looking. He's like, uh, "I think I saw somebody over there." No, <laughs> she's mean, actually like, "I think I heard Godzilla roar." Or, yeah, that was the God. Sense. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, I mean, all of that. It, logically, it doesn't make sense, but it's a hoot to watch it. That's right? why I, I mean, said it is entertaining. It is, but you know what? I have to get the whole burrito to enjoy the whole thing. You can't pick out the beans and then tell me that I have to like the whole burrito. And that, <laughs> and that, and that fight scene. And that fight scene in the cabin. Oh god, that's brilliant! Too. Oh, man. There's just when it's all said and done, the, I, that movie is fun. But there are just times in there where I'm I'm shaking my head over the whole thing. Yeah, and it it, it drags in the middle for me. It really drags. Well, that's a bummer to hear, man. Because uh, I actually I was thinking about it. I was like, how did they get on that cruise ship? And I'm kind of wondering if it's one of those things where. Uh, Toho approached the cruise line and was like, mm-hmm. we'd like to shoot a movie <laughs> on your cruise. And they'd be like, we would love to have our cruise ships in your film. And then they're like, what are you shooting? And the Toho's just kind of like, oh, you got some <laughs> <laughs> and then they did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of the things mentioned in, in one of the books was that the, the crew, like when they're having dinner on the cruise ship, there's tons of people in there. Yeah. But, you know, out on the deck, there's just nobody around. Yeah, uh, absolutely. None at all. That And I, somebody said it. I think you did, Jeff. But yeah, that was the most versatile pipe. It's like, okay, no, Brian, you said it. I get it. That was it. That thing's like the Night Rider gadget that's installed at the beginning. We're going to install this at the beginning of the show, and coincidentally, at minute thirty-seven, you will need this thing to save yeah. Night Rider. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think we were, I don't remember what it was, but we were watching some movie, and I'm pretty sure it's a uh, Godzilla or Gamera or some movie, and, and uh, in the the title is on the screen. It says five years later. And, oh, it's Godzilla versus Biollante. It says like five years later. And then like three times in the next conversation, they're like, I can't believe it's been five years. Has it already <laughs> been five years? Like anyway, let's look at the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not as over. I mean, it's a little more overt than, uh, than the pipe, but still, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple times where they're like, now this pipe does this. Yeah, I got it. I yeah, got I get it. it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> thing just needs a dashboard on it and you had everything yeah i mean this is one of those films for me that i just love watching with other people and it's definitely not one of the ones that i'm like everyone be quiet this is a serious godzilla <laughs> film we must enjoy it for its cinematic beauty and all of the yeah it's it's a fun film and that's what this is actually one of the things that i love about godzilla films is they should be fun and it's one of the reasons that even though i love and seriously enjoy the beauty and uh, ambiance of the very first Godzilla film, it's just not fun. You know, it's a it's a somber tale. Somber is the word I use all the time to to describe the original fifty four. But you know, that's what I love about movies like this is they're they're fun. That's why I love Monster Zero. That's why I love. Uh, I even do love Space Godzilla because there are fun things about it. Even though I know it's a terrible film, just like I know you know half of the films are are terrible but there's still there's something about them that strikes a chord with me and i really enjoy uh who else has something they want to say negative about this film well to to go on to what you just said you said that some of them are terrible but i think terrible is too strong a word some of them have bad qualities but you're able to overlook them more because of this series i think this series is inherently fun so you ignore some of the worst qualities sure man we can go with that's that. just I, you I, said that and i thought i've thought that same thing before but i i have a different take yeah. on it so i mean i don't have to use the word terrible i mean terrible because to me no there's some terrible terrible doesn't <laughs> okay so this is a little off topic i don't know if it'll make it into the podcast but uh someone recently just posted you know on facebook recently there's a this whole thing like check the check the movie images and how do you rank compared to me and how many of these particular blah type of film you've seen. And today or yesterday, it was like the 50 worst films. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And it was stupid, but like not a single one of those films is a Godzilla film, you know? And I don't, there were a lot of movies on there that I had seen that I liked. And I was like, why is this even on here now? That's neither here nor there, but I mean the the enjoyment of a of the Godzilla series is really set apart from uh, for me from other movies. Like I I definitely draw a line and say there's like kaiju films are in a little bubble, you know. And sure, sometimes I can say, oh, I loved Daimajin much better, much more than I loved Minority Report or something like that. But you know, I do tend to sequester the the kaiju films and so in the range of kaiju films there's freaking awesome and amazing and the best thing ever and then there there are terrible ones too i mean in that in that range but they are all very enjoyable so yeah i mean i feel the same way about i mean i think being like a film geek is kind of that you know you because there's lots of when you like a subgenre of something you could admit they're terrible films but you still love them 
Yeah. Like for me, it's like I love the Friday the 13th movies, but very few of them are actually very good. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's all, it's like nostalgic. And right, right, right. Kind of stuff. So it's the same kind of thing. And, and yeah, we've often talked about, uh, we've often talked about Jaws. Which I know you're happy. <laughs> no, dude, I was but, see, waiting is, for it to happen. But legitimately, legitimately, we both love Jaws, but most of the time, Jeff and I make jokes about Jaws three and four because yeah. it's almost more fun to talk about than saying like, "Wasn't that good in Jaws?" Well, yeah, it is, but it's way better to be like, "There's a freeze frame at the end of Jaws three. It's ridiculous. There's dolphins jumping over Dennis Quaid and it freezes, and they're like, "Yay!" It's goofy. So. <laughs> That's I'm more just fun, glad. So. I'm just glad you were able to work in a Jaws reference. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have anything I really want to hate on for this film. I mean, there's there's plenty that's wrong with it, but there's just I don't know what that sound is. It's so. too charming to really hate it. It's like you know what I mean, right? It's just like it's it's for me it's just, it's too much fun to yeah really you know sometimes i say like oh what would you have done you know changed or done differently and quite honestly i i don't hold this film up to that particular critique because we're talking about a time where toho was doing the best they could in fact i don't even know if this was actually toho this might have been toho iezo which was a secondary right. company that was uh, formed after uh, doing a terrible job of this secondary company formed after uh, Toho decided that special effects departments were too expensive and that union costs and uh, so forth had driven the price up and so they created this secondary company called Toho Iezo and that sucks that I have to describe that without being ready for it, but I'm pretty sure that is exactly what I, I think you're right. <laughs> I remember, I, I think I remember seeing at the beginning of this and trying to pronounce it in my head and going, I wonder what this is. I hadn't, hadn't recognized it before. Yeah. So that's, it's essentially, it's a, a secondary production company. So anyway, that's uh, another just kind of like little tidbit of information that doesn't really affect it at all. But you know, it's, this is a different time. For films and this is one of the reasons I don't really say yeah, you know what's the one thing I hate about this film that I would change you know because it's I don't expect them to have done something much differently sure there are issues but I'm not gonna I don't feel like going into them because this is so much fun this movie is so much fun to me uh, but you guys don't let that stop you <laughs> <laughs> I can't really think of anything, honestly. Yeah. Cool, I, I keep good. thinking of it. Yeah, I. It's. It's just. It's a lot of fun. I can't th- think of anything that I really truly hate about it. I guess one minor thing, and this is just maybe because I'm a little bit tired, but I had some trouble ke- keeping track of that. There's two girls that look a lot alike in this movie, and. There was certain times where I'm like, is that the archaeologist or is that the other girl? Yeah. The first time I watched it, it was the same way I kept losing track of who was who. Yeah, so that, that was just one little thing. But that yeah. is so minor. And it, part of it is just maybe, you know, me just not, you know, being as awake as I want to yeah, be. At least there were women in the film where yeah. Like yeah. Megalon, there's not, not a single woman in the entire film with the exception of the, the Cetopian dancers. 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's not just one woman singing the words get stuck in my throat. <laughs> That's uh, several years earlier. So <laughs> yeah. shall we move into the uh, final thoughts? Or does anybody have anything else they want to mention before we move along and, and uh, rank this film and talk about how it sits in the, in the, in the kaiju verse? Jeff? I have nothing else to add negatively. Okay, but final thoughts. Final thoughts are I really I really enjoy this movie and having watching it the first time in in many years it's like I want to go back and actually watch the other Mechagodzilla films now really just to kind of do the yeah, the ranking thing yeah. to see if I have as much fun as I did watching uh this tonight. Um yeah, I enjoy it. I I really do. It's like I have, you know, a big soft spot in my heart for it because it's the very first film Godzilla film that I saw. Martin, I I would like to go and watch all the Mecha Godzilla films as well, just to put them all together. But it, this one's it it's really good fun. Like I really enjoy this one, and and even if I say, well, the middle is lacking and it's slow, and there's all these issues. If you if you changed all of that, you would change this film, and I don't think you would have something that would be as much fun to watch. I I don't. So while I I may have had a complaint about all of that, you you just can't take it away. I I think it all would have to stay. Right on. How about you, Brian? Um the design of Mechagodzilla is so cool that yeah, it just overrides uh any negative aspect of this movie in my book. I his design is so cool. It's it's really a high point for the 70s and Honestly, a high point for the series overall, even going back into the 60s films. So, Right on. And Rachel? I would say, um, again, I, I think that, yeah, it was, it was just a great time. I think that maybe it's what some people may think of when they think of um, Godzilla being kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I, I think that... You know, if you appreciate 70s movies in general, you can really appreciate this film. And I think that even if people that didn't necessarily grow up with it, people that at least, you know, lived in the 70s would get a real big kick out of this film. And I I think of like people like my parents who have never liked any Godzilla movies would have a ball with this movie because they love 70s movies. Awesome. So. I think it's great. Very cool. Well, actually, that's a great uh, segue for what I was going to say. Uh, this movie, while it's nostalgic for me, I didn't grow up with it. This is not something that I I, I saw as a kid. Nostalgia, uh, in terms of the Godzilla series, for me is like this is one of the ones that was just available when I started watching them, and so that's one of the reasons I'm like so excited to see this every time I watch it. And honestly, I. I do. I, this is the my favorite Mechagodzilla film. And I love all of them for their own reasons. Oh, my God. I've seen the 93 version so many times because that was like Tiger's favorite film when he was a very small child. Uh, and I love the design of Kiryu and there are things about it that I like. And I can't wait to show Martin uh, the, the first uh, Millennium Mechagodzilla film and then Tokyo SOS after that, too. But, um, but uh this the 70s mechagodzilla definitely favorite design i just love how kind of just raw and 70s robotic he looks it's awesome super cool uh and i would love to show i would love to show this to somebody as their first kaiju film but because it was shot in the 70s and because 
They were dealing with budgetary issues. I don't think this is something that I would choose. If it was on TV, I would love to sit with somebody and talk to them about it if it was their first time watching a kaiju film. So uh, that is what I have to say. And we did get some user submissions in. So here's how those went. Oh, you know what's awesome? This month, we dive into a brave new world for supporters of the Kaiju cast. Colonels in the Kaiju Corps are able to call in their homework submissions, just like Ben did here. Hi, my name is Ben Erickson, and this is my oral report on 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. The classic New World video VHS release of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla was one of the very first Godzilla movies my brothers and I saw. It received heavy play in my household and remains one of my favorites to this day. Not surprisingly, the eponymous villain of the picture is one of my favorites too, with a sharp, pointy, space titanium hide, overwhelming weaponry, and a mechanical sneer, Mechagodzilla was quite the menace. One part of the film that I got a kick out of was when, confronted on both sides by Godzilla and King Caesar, Mechagodzilla calmly rotated its head around and loaded on them simultaneously. Speaking of the deity, King Caesar was another great part of the movie. As savage melee fighting became more commonplace this late in the Showa series, King Caesar was one of the most ferocious combatants, as befitting a Leonine Kaiju. With only defensive range attacks on his side and the best years in the business, King Caesar was an interesting counterpoint to an opponent like Godzilla. Godzilla himself was no slouch either. I rather enjoyed how, after taking a licking in the refinery battle, Godzilla hauled himself up onto a remote Pacific Isle and absorbed the full brunt of a raging lightning storm intentionally or not giving him Magneto-like powers that proved pivotal in the final battle. In regards to the fighting, this picture was also one of the most graphic of the series. From Mechagodzilla taking a page from King Kong and ripping Ingeris' mouth open, to blood-spurting shots to the jugular of both Godzilla and Black Hole aliens, to seeing our human heroes almost being cooked alive, this film had some brutal moments that I've come to appreciate more as an older fan. As an older fan, however, a few problems with the film spring up. There's some bad screen driving, some dodgy security protocols in the alien base, and confusion on whether or not the brawl on the cruise ship between Gosuke and the black hole alien agent actually takes place at night. Chief among them, however, is how they intercut two noticeably different suits to portray the disguised Mechagodzilla. I feel like they should have stuck with one or another, especially when a shot or sequence didn't require two Godzillas to be in it at the same time. Regardless of whatever small gripes I have, this movie will remain a classic for me. Too many scenes and too much of Masaru Sato's bouncy score are seared into my memory for me to say otherwise. Even the dub track stirs up old recognition. In all, I think that this film, along with its direct sequel, were a good way to round out Godzilla's first run on the silver screen. Thank you and happy listening. P.S. I think Interpol agents Nambara and Tamura deserve their own spin-off television series in the grand tradition of Simon and Simon or Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. Look it up. All right, big thanks to Ben for being the guinea pig for our uh, Kaiju Corps. If you want to join the Kaiju Corps, head over to kaijucast.com slash support. Now, on to the rest of you lot. Mike can sum up this movie in one sentence. Ape aliens build a robot version of Godzilla, and the real Godzilla and King Caesar have to show up and put their operation out of commission. The best moment of this movie, on purpose, is the great reveal of the iconic Mechagodzilla. Still awesome decades later. Other fun moments are when Godzilla shoots a blast of fire at Mechagodzilla and misses. Then Godzilla snaps his fingers with an Odrat gesture. 
And of course, the intense buildup to King Caesar's appearance, and after the pummeling he takes, he actually resorts to using Godzilla as a human shield at one point. The final showdown with Godzilla and King Caesar fighting Mechagodzilla is a terrific battle. King Caesar and Magnetic Power Godzilla help deliver some great excitement and laughs, and Mechagodzilla continues to look super badass. Of course, Mike always forgets about the four-minute song of the Izumi Princess that is the precursor to the finale. That's a long song to sit through. I really don't think it's four minutes, but anyway. Uh, finally, this movie has a hilarious quotable line of dialogue. This material can only be space titanium. As a child, this was often repeated anytime Mike and his friends held a new object of unknown origin, or sometimes just a stick, and they still do it today. Space Titanium, like this classic movie, never failed to entertain them. What can Johnny say about Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla other than that it introduced his second favorite Godzilla kaiju, the mechanical titan of terror, Mechagodzilla? It's a film not so dear to his heart as other Godzilla films, but it is a ton of fun and a blast to watch. Some people say that Mechagodzilla is just a cheap way of making a Godzilla kaiju, but for Johnny, it's like fighting fire with fire, except that the other fire has freaking finger missiles. King Cesar doesn't do much to stop Mechagodzilla, in his opinion, and needs a girl to sing to him so he can wake up. But unfortunately, we have to sit through that entire song. Another complaint about the song. Man. Uh, Mechagodzilla disguised as the King of Monsters is kin to the Terminator before the Terminator. This Mechagodzilla is Johnny's favorite design and looks the most mechanical. Overall, this movie is a must-see for all G-fans, and he gives this film 3.85 Kaiju Terminators out of 5. Ron just watched 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and man, what a great movie. He loves how the movie starts off with an awesome explosion scene, and the Indiana Jones-slash-James Bond-style fighting was so funny. His only real gripe was when Psycho claims to hear Godzilla on the cruise ship. How could she hear him when Keisuke could not? The effects were amazing. King Cesar was a cool new kaiju with a nice reflective power to use against an enemy. Mechagodzilla was so awesome. All kaiju should be as destructive. Godzilla's not as campy in this movie. Uh, he's a kaiju on a mission and taking the fight to Mechagodzilla. Ron gives this movie 8 out of 10 and would show it to a person who has never seen a kaiju movie before. The first time Mike Keller saw this film was a unique experience. It was playing on a double bill with Godzilla on Monster Island during that movie's stateside release, but his parents would not take him to see it. Instead, his family did go to the drive-in to see a Peter Falk movie, and because the double bill was playing on another screen, Mike was able to look out the back window and watch Godzilla instead. It was a surreal, semi-mystical experience. Only visuals, no sound, no idea what was going on. Try watching a film like this sometime this way uh, without having any knowledge of it beforehand. And imagine, of course, being eight years old. That was almost the most magical way to see it. He notes that the Earth in this film seems to be a very lonely place outside of about ten or so people. There are a scant few scenes that indicate the population still exists, but in so much of the film, everything seems to take place in a giant ghost town. The cruise ship is a good example. We saw a full dining room, but where the heck did everyone go during the chase sequence on the deck with the ape man? Mike has been on cruise ships before and knows there would be people everywhere. 
And when did Akihiko Hirata get the bright idea to go to Okinawa to search for aliens because he's certain they created an unleashed Mechagodzilla? Who the heck deputized him? Why doesn't he go to the authorities? Where is the military? Where is everybody? There's lots of other lonely scenes in the film. And at the end of the movie, the line, It's all right, your father has achieved a great victory, always led Mike to assume that Akihiko Hirata died in the Space Apes base explosion. Try saying that three times fast. Watching it this time, it's clear that he escaped along with the other two guys. It's too bad that Nakano didn't have bigger budgets and resources at his disposal. Some of the shots he gets out are pretty darn impressive, uh, everything considered. Mechagodzilla himself has never looked as good in any carnation as he has in his two 70s films. In this movie especially, he is a space titanium can of whoop-ass. Once he gets opened up, he can take on two monsters at once and give them both a run for their money. The final battle between Godzilla, Mechagodzilla, and King Caesar is probably the best action sequence in all of the 70s films. Mechagodzilla is one of Jason's favorite monsters from the Godzilla franchise. He can distinctly remember watching it as a young child, wondering about the second Godzilla and feeling so smart when he figured it out when the two monsters fought and you could, of course, see the metal. Although Godzilla's magnetic powers seem out of place, Jason really likes this movie. It's a great monster film, and these are his favorite aliens. Brian sets up a question. In Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla... When Angulus challenges the disguised Mechagodzilla and loses terribly. Uh, in the English dub, Keisuke, driving down the highway, says, Something's wrong. Angulus shouldn't attack his friend Godzilla. And now his question is, how important was this scene in establishing the friendship between Godzilla and Angulus? It's well established and well known among kaiju fans that Godzilla and Angulus are friends, so to speak. Best friends, even. Where does this friendship come from? Do you think that the scene in this film was instrumental in ingraining that amongst the fan base? Uh, now, this is just a note for me, Kyle. I would imagine that this scene was pivotal in securing that Godzilla and Angulus are friends because uh, it was actually something that began in 1972's Godzilla vs. Gigan when they speak to each other. Although, if you ask me, it, it really establishes Godzilla more as the king of the monsters and he can actually order his subjects to scout out situations. That's essentially what he does to, to Angulus in that movie. But the fact that Keisuke mentions the friendship, that's what seals the deal, in my opinion. Anyway, back to Brian's uh, review here. On that note, Brian adds one more thing. He's read rumors that Baragon was supposed to be in Angulus's role, but was replaced due to less popularity and a, wouldn't you know it, overused, damaged suit. It certainly explains Angulus's sudden ability to burrow in the plot. If this rumor is true, what if Baragon had been used? Would our concept of Angulus as Godzilla's friend be different? Or is his inclusion in Godzilla vs. Gigan enough to solidify this monstrous friendship? So, um, I have a few Godzilla books. This is Kyle talking again. Uh, all of which I did actually read through their entries on Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Now, none of them mention Baragon. I'm not saying that it was never intended to be uh, the plot device, but I cannot find a credible source. In fact, I think the only thing I found was online. That is my response. Adam says that Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is an awesome movie in concept. Finally, Toho gets around to an obvious opponent for their champion, an evil twin, who would go on to be one of the top-tier Godzilla opponents. Mechagodzilla is a worthy opponent for Godzilla. Toho endowed him with an amazing arsenal of weaponry that is well integrated into its design. 
Combining a very nice robotic performance from the suit actor and appropriate mechanical sounds, Mechagodzilla comes off very convincingly. Too bad the other new monster for this film doesn't fare too well in execution. King Cesar is a hairy thing that just hops around and gets shot at. He stands on the sidelines like a child in a Gamera film cheering Godzilla on. In fact, his presence on the battlefield is more of a hindrance. Story-wise, the film does not hold up. It suffers from the worn-out plot of aliens using monsters to conquer Earth and has many plot holes that you could drive a Mack truck through. You can tell the script was rewritten several times until we got our final product. Why do the aliens need to disguise Mechagodzilla as Godzilla just to destroy Tokyo, when in the very next movie they have Mechagodzilla just destroy Tokyo? Why is Angulus in this movie, and since when can he travel underground? Why does Mechagodzilla move more fluidly when disguised as Godzilla than he does as the regular Mechagodzilla? And what happened to the orange flame he had? Why is Godzilla just randomly popping out of buildings? Can he travel underground too now? Despite these problems, Adam still finds Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla to be flippin' awesome. The effect scenes in the movie are quite spectacular, especially the oil field fight, Mechagodzilla's all-out attack on Godzilla and King Cesar, and that beautiful reveal of Mechagodzilla with that rockin' theme music. And he actually likes the aliens in this as they seem to be the most thought out since the Exaliens. Designing a robot to specifically take out Godzilla, actively trying to keep Caesar out of the battle and uh, for fear of him bringing in more monsters, even going so far as to attack him before he wakes up. In closing, Mechagodzilla is definitely one of the more memorable films in the franchise. Even the most casual kaiju fan knows Mechagodzilla. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is certainly an enjoyable and highly entertaining movie, but perhaps it's not the greatest Godzilla movie ever. Ian watched the Good Times Home Entertainment version, released in 1993, entitled Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster. The video itself actually had that title card in the movie. The dubbing job seemed very spot on with only a, ver uh, a few spots where it was noticeably off. The suit acting among all four monsters was a step up from the prior films as stock film was not used as much with the, the seeming exception of when the fake Godzilla first appears in seeming night shots when the next shot is almost high noon. The big reveal of fake Godzilla into Mechagodzilla was very nicely done. In Connor's opinion, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is the worst Godzilla movie ever made. It might be an okay movie if they took out King Cesar and put in more Angulus into the film. King Cesar is the only kaiju Connor hates more than Mothra. And considering this is Angulus' last movie until Final Wars, you would think Toho would put more than five minutes of him into the film. Overall, he thought the rest of the movie was alright, and Mechagodzilla is a pretty cool and important to the uh, Godzilla series, considering he's the grandfather of all mechas. Five out of ten stars, and he would not show this to a non-kaiju fan. P.S. Connor hopes Toho makes a sixth Mechagodzilla film. Disagree, Connor. Too much Mechagodzilla. And actually, uh, as was pointed out to me on Twitter one time, Mechanicong is actually the granddaddy of all mechas in, uh, in the Godzilla movies. Anyway... Uh, for Alex, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla stands as not only the best of the 1970s Godzilla films, but Fukuda's best output of the series. 
the return of classic actors Akihiko Hirata and Hiroshi Koizumi, four monsters showcased in a decent amount of screen time, a lovably bizarre concept involving space apes and a mechanical double, and what is definitely Masaru Sato's best Godzilla score, they all add up to an incredibly fun film. This is one of those movies that he would totally show a newcomer to the Kaiju Ega, as it represents the zenith of classic Japanese monster wackiness. When Matt was a kid, I'm guessing before he got his dog Ashley... Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla was the movie he wanted to find when he was searching the TV guide for monster flicks. Part of its attraction was that it didn't look dated like the 60s movies. It's still a blast to watch. The fight scenes are second to none. And Matt still cringes when Godzilla touches Mechagodzilla's spinning force field. King Caesar ranks at number 5 on Matt's favorite monsters list. He always wanted to see more of him, and those ears, which are so awesomely perked up when seeing Mechagodzilla for the first time. Mechagodzilla is a slick-looking bad guy whose blue-flamed transformation to his true self is really cool. And Godzilla's look in this movie is his best, in Matt's humble opinion. His only major gripe is that the plot, while entertaining enough, moves along a bit slowly at times. Miyarabi's Prayer is right up there with the Sacred Springs for excellent monster movie music, and the soundtrack is refreshingly different. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is neck and neck with Monster Zero as Matt and his dog Ashley's favorite Showa-era Godzilla movie. Herman really doesn't like this movie. He's not much of a fan of Mechagodzilla, and King Caesar always seemed a little goofy. Worse than that, though, this film has one particular thing going against it. Ever since Herman was a little kid, and to this day, he hates that Angulus was mauled so badly by Mechagodzilla. It seriously bothered him to the point that the unthinkable happened. Herman turned off a Godzilla film for 10 minutes. He felt so bad and has never understood why Toho was apparently so determined to portray Angulus as a wimpy buffoon. His performance in Godzilla vs. Gigan was bad enough, but in this film, it was downright mean-spirited. Even as recent as Final Wars, Angulus has never received the respect he deserves. He's such a cool-looking kaiju. Does someone at Toho just hate Angulus for some reason? Was there some Toho executive who discovered his wife cheating on him with a guy wearing an Angulus suit? Jeez! See what I mean? Herman does not like this movie. Paul notes that while the story recycles many elements from prior Godzilla vs. Alien Invasion films, and the film's pace is a bit slow at times, it's still a very enjoyable movie to watch. The piece-by-piece reveal of Mechagodzilla, from the exposed metal after Angulus' initial attack to the final burning away of the outer disguise, is a memorable first appearance for this legendary kaiju. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is not only Matt O's favorite Godzilla film, but his favorite kaiju film of all time. It really has everything you could ask for. Wide-lapelled Interpol agents team up with grizzled metallurgists and perky archaeologists to battle chrome-clad alien invaders who swig brandy while their awesome robot monster hands our puny Earth monsters their asses. All set to the swankiest jazz rock soundtrack this side of our man Flint. Mechagodzilla himself is an inspired creation, and for Matt's money, he's still the epitome of imposing mecha design. Sure, he's not as sleek and futuristic as most of his successors, but he's got menace and panache to spare, and he's covered with rivets that must be like the size of dinner plates. King Caesar is pretty neat too, a monster deity that's actually some sort of god, uh, instead of just an oversized animal. 
The anticlimactic trouncing he receives following his rather lengthy theme song always reminds him of the Huntsman from the classic animated series Freakazoid. He's such a doofy monster that it's endearing, and Godzilla even blasts him at one point in what Matt suspects was no accident at all. But beyond all this, Matt can't help but love how relentlessly and unselfconsciously goofy this movie is. This is a film in which eight men from the black hole can point a ray gun at the heroes and instruct them to reach for the sky, and it makes him happy in a primal sort of way. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla was Alexander's very first Godzilla film. He has this movie to thank for his almost lifelong Godzilla obsession, and for that reason, he just can't hate on the film. Yes, it has flaws, but he doesn't care. The music alone makes up for all of them. Seriously, that music is just so outrageous that Alexander finds it impossible to hate. Other kids were always <laughs> other kids were always humming Hakuna Matata or whatever, but no, not Alexander. He was humming Godzilla vs. Angulus from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla's soundtrack. And he had the biggest smile on his face during that scene from Final Wars where the two guys are listening to this film's score at the South Pole. Anyway, those are his thoughts on Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla's soundtrack. Wait. Wait, were we supposed to talk about the movie? Robert loves this movie. It's one of his favorite Godzilla flicks. It's campy fun, but even so, it begs a lot of questions. For example, why does Nami see Ghidra in her vision of the future when he appears nowhere else in the film? What the heck is that pipe made out of? Even the subtitles on the Sony dub give up, saying, It's a question mark, question mark, question mark. Just a note from me here. I have a set of subtitles for this film that's um, it's not official by any means. But they call it Astronacon or Astrinacon. I'm not exactly sure how to say that. Anyway, uh, he also gives this example. Has Mount Fuji erupted lately? No. How did Mechagodzilla fly out of it then? And how did Godzilla suddenly bust out of that warehouse? Did someone trank him and put him in storage? Did they change the names of the monsters? Why in the English dub do they sometimes say Godzilla and Mechagodzilla? One who Godzilla's? Theoretically speaking... Can a black hole even have one planet orbiting it, much less three? Do the aliens import their cigars from the third planet of the black hole, or do they get them from Cuba? Why is a scientifically advanced race from another world so threatened by ancient, obscure, mystic prof prophecies? And can Naomi sing even one note in tune? Despite the fact that so much of the plot makes such little sense, this is one of Robert's favorites because of the incredibly entertaining fight scenes, especially the final battle between their titular characters. And that fight music, some of the best ever composed for the series. Mechagodzilla is definitely Robert's favorite kaiju. It has been a long time since Jamie has seen this movie. He first bought it on VHS while in high school in the early 90s. He loved it then and still loves it. But after watching it for the discussion, he's really surprised at how bloody it is. It's not just the blood coming off Godzilla when his and Mechagodzilla's fight ends in a draw, and you see blood well up in the, in the water where Godzilla was knocked into the water, or when he's shot with missiles and they stick into him, or when Mechagodzilla beats up poor Angulus, but also in the shootout with the ape aliens in the base during the final fight. The leader gets shot in the neck, and it's just a fountain of blood in very much the same style as Ash getting doused in blood and other liquids in Evil Dead 2. It was shocking to see in a Godzilla movie of all places, but it's also laughingly over the top. The first iteration of Mechagodzilla has an old school and very harsh look to it. It looks downright menacing, and it was built for one thing and one thing only, conquering. 
The music was definitely very 70s, which he dug, and the action was good. Jamie could buy into this giant monster giving Godzilla a run for his money, while also fending off the rather goofy-looking dog monster, King Cesar. In fact, sorry to say, but King Cesar might be one of Jamie's least favorite kaiju designs. It just looks like a big dog, and he consistently got his butt kicked when facing off against Mechagodzilla. Godzilla's power-up reminded him of a training montage in a martial arts movie. After the good guy has shown his own weaknesses by a powerful new enemy, Jamie can almost imagine Godzilla's mental musings running like this. Okay, big new baddies made of metal, and I gotta defeat him. Aha! Uh-huh. I must learn to generate an electromagnetic field. But how? Lightning! Come on, Mother Nature, hit me! Yeah! That's the stuff. I'm ready for you now, Mechagodzilla. Uh, normally I don't read that kind of stuff, but, you know, it seemed fun. Anyway, Godzilla kicks his ass by Mortal Kombat sub-zeroing Mechagodzilla's head off. Overall, it was a fun movie, but he'd wait to show this to someone who's seen a few of the kaiju films, most notably after Monster Zero and Godzilla vs. King Kong. David grew up watching Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. For a long time, it was his only Godzilla movie. Then he started collecting others. But there are so many good things about this film. The fight between Angulus and the fake Godzilla, the Godzilla vs. Godzilla fight, the Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla fight. Hmm, I think David loves the fights. Anyway, corny space monkeys trying to take over the world. A good drinking game for this movie would be anytime blood squirted out of someone's neck, you have to drink. David loves the human story in this movie as well. Sure, the song was too long, but the end fight was worth it. He can't decide which Mechagodzilla suit he likes best, this one or the newest ones, but both are better than Mechagodzilla 2. This movie is in his top three favorite Godzilla movies. It is a classic. And there you go. That is our Daikaiju discussion homework. Thank you guys so much for sending in your thoughts, questions, and reviews. And uh, if you did not hear me announce it before, next month we do not have a discussion. It's because I'm going to Japan and I don't have time to worry about everybody's discussions. But we are going to pick things back up in November with a 1963 classic creepy Toho film that does not feature giant monsters. I am talking about the one, the only Matango, otherwise known as Attack of the Mushroom People. Keeping your eyes open on Facebook and the website. I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be due, but it's in November, you know, so sometime around Thanksgiving. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the news. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, not a ton to talk about as far as news this month, but there's a couple things I wanted to share. There is a brand new Godzilla podcast on the block, and uh, you guys should check it out. It is run by the same guys who do Screonk.com, and they've got uh, episode three up right now, so it's called Screonk Live. I'll have a link in the show notes to that. Uh, there is also another article on Sci-Fi Japan about the Ultraman Festival going on this year. So check that out. I'm really, really hoping that there's something going on when I go to Japan next month. And then another Sci-Fi Japan article, they have brand new X-Plus releases on their website. And those releases are for Ultra 7, Kanegon, and let's see, the other one, what did I say it was? Pega? Alien Pega? Alien Pega. Yeah, an Ultra 7 monster. 
that I've never seen before. But he looks looks fabulous, really. So, <laughs> and uh, so I'll have links in the show notes to all three of those articles or all three of those news items. I just really quickly wanted to talk, do like a little wrap up because all five of us were at Rose City Comic Con. We're not going to have a sort of like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So just, you know. How was the show for you guys? Did you enjoy it? This is the second year, obviously. It was at the Oregon Convention Center this year, which I think was a brilliant move. Yeah, well, they, almost a no-brainer, really. Cause, yeah, I mean, they because uh, the first year they were just in like a little small hotel. The that was the way, deadly double tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this year they upped their game. They had like a little bit more sponsorship, right? Uh, they, they had get, a lot more. Yeah, they, they partnered. Had, like, the people who yeah, do they, Emerald City kind of like, yeah, they them partnered out. with Emerald City. Yeah, you could yeah. really tell the difference. In, and I'm not saying that they did a bad job last year, but last year they did a great job for it being a homegrown local event. And, you know, the, the people that they got were great. But this year, they definitely the the help from Emerald City really Yeah, I mean, it felt it like, a, like a big time convention. The way it was run, and you know, they had like a big venue, a lot of vendors, and a decent amount of guests. I thought it felt like, yeah, I thought the yeah. guests were pretty good this year. I mean, I they're uh, more engaging than they were last year, and I didn't see any of the panels last year for like Richard Hatch or the other people that they had. But this year, was anybody able to catch a panel? No, no, I was able no. to catch the John DiMaggio panel on Sunday. It was awesome. I was really impressed. They had a pretty large room. For, uh, you know, I've never seen a large panel at, uh, at the Oregon Convention Center. So they had, for people who don't live in Portland, this is not going to make any sense, but if you're right on like, uh, MLK and I think Holiday, whatever street that is that the max goes up, yeah, right at that corner, like, if you go in through those doors, you're sort of on the upper level of the convention mm-hmm. center and they had like some rooms set aside right there and the big one, panel room one, was right there it was very much like emerald city not as big as their big whatever their hall h you know yeah, type thing is but room. basically there's you know a stage with a couch and a, another couch on it and a screen that uh, screens on either side that showed what was going on on the stage and john dimaggio for those who don't know is the uh is a voice actor who did bender and some other a ton of other characters but he's a great funny funny man and uh uh, it was really fun to to see it happen, and I, like I said, I was really impressed with the show this year, and I had a great time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I had we, a blast. We had a great turnout <laughs> for the uh, for the Kaiju Cast panel, which was yeah, nice. that was amazing. Was the uh, Kaiju of Pacific Rim panel had a big turnout. That was awesome, and uh, I. I really wish that I had like pulled the audience for some stuff, but I gave away some of those uh, Godzilla posters from the San Diego Comic-Con Godzilla encounter. That was a lot of fun. I'm definitely, definitely going to be uh, submitting panel concepts to more conventions. So any West Coast convention I can get a panel on, I'm going to try and do it. Or if you want to fly us all out to That's right. any other part of the country. <laughs> yeah, if you want to fly us out to... Insert your convention here. <laughs> Just get uh, six, seven, maybe eight round trip Tickets. first class. First class, right? Tickets, yeah, yeah. 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 I fit in, in overhead in storage st- compartments. <laughs> and we want accommodations at a four star. Or three and a half. Hotel. Three and a half. We're not yeah. greedy. Yeah. The show's <laughs> greedy. on the road. Yeah. 
Man, that and, would be so and a, awesome. If, and a per like, diem for beer. Right, but right. But that's, that's it. Or just a kegerator in the room. Whatever works. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, I had a blast. I, I really hope that over the next year, kaiju and Godzilla movies become more prevalent in the, uh, in the mainstream American consciousness. And, uh, not just America, but the whole world too, you know? So, uh, I, I love what's happening so far and I can't wait to, to see more. Uh, anybody have anything else they, they want to add about the awesomeness or, or such of Rose City Comic Con? I, I thought this was a really good con. I, I didn't get to go last year. I, I was at Dragon Con. Oh yeah. And it right. was, it was the very next weekend after that and it was at the Double Tree and I kind of regret that decision because it, my attitude was like, I just got back from, Dragon Con, why am I going to go to the Double Tree? You know, even our little indie comic book show has grown out of the Double Tree. And I kind of resent that now because it felt like a real con this year. And I yeah. almost feel like I didn't earn the right to, de- you know, deserve to be there considering I didn't give him a chance last year. Well, you know, the thing, what I will say about the Double Tree, and uh, again, for people who aren't local, might not, they might not understand this, but the Double Tree is a, it's a pretty low, rent venue you know Mm -hmm. that is where people go when they're starting out i mean uh you guys are going to the portland gaming retro gaming expo uh in a week right and that used to be at the double tree and that Mm -hmm. has upgraded uh matured as it were and and is now at the oregon convention center which is it's it's like a logical move that that should happen and i i'm really glad that it only took one year for rose city comic-con to get to the their yeah. new digs and they've already announced the dates for next year. I want to say it's the 20th and the 21st of, uh, of September of 2014. Uh, I believe I will probably be submitting another panel request for that because it's, it's cool. I mean, that's fun, mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So, uh, anyway, I think we're going to close this out. Everybody around me looks kind of tired and ready for sleep no, and they all have a long drive tired. back. You're not, you want to hang out? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> you want to go outside and fight? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's time to go, man. It's go time. Let's watch the next two Mecha Godzilla films. Yeah, sounds good, yeah. man. All Let's right, just so. watch all of them in chronological order starting right now. Okay. Just... All right. So, uh, that me- wait, hang on a second. That means that on, on my birthday, we'll still be watching the movies. Can we take a break mm-hmm. to yeah. go to the party? No. No? No. That's I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave you here, Brian. Okay. Uh, okay, so anyway, we're going to close out the show. If you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browsers to kaijucast.com. Uh, did you guys know that I was, I was recently experiencing some terrible hacker bot attempts to, to attack the show? Yes. That was terrible. I should not have said that. Grumpy double it smash. Actually did not come out the right way. <laughs> but basically, yeah, is I don't want to say it's all over and everything's better now, but at least the RSS feed is updating and so you can still get to the website kaijucast.com. We have the Daikaiju discussion list up there, the episode list is up there. Uh you can download every single episode and we've written some reviews and some other stuff. Uh, basically there are links to the side on the side for YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, uh, our commentaries that we've been doing, which we do have another one we need to schedule and, uh, all sorts of stuff. Basically anything KaijuCast related. It's, it's on the website. If it's not on the website, we post it on Facebook and, uh, talk about it there. Uh, what else do I have to say here? Oh, tune into Monster Music Mondays. I always forget about this one every Monday, pretty much. 
at the Kaiju Cast. I stream live music clips and trailer audio from uh, the HQ here and into your ear holes, and it's a lot of fun. For about 24-ish hours, it's uh, Monster Music Mondays. Anyway, we're going to go close out the show. I was feeling a little a little goofy, so I wanted to uh, end the show with a Mechagodzilla-themed song. This is actually, I believe it's the same singer who sang the King Cesar song. It is called Defeat Mechagodzilla, and you guys want to say goodbye to your sign-offs? Later, kids. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You should do that every time. <laughs> the pressure is on because I did not tell these guys they had to do that. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Later, alligator. All right. Oh, did that up it? <laughs> no, I, oh, I should really go back and redo mine now. No, no. No, no ADR here. Uh, we will see you next month. Jamata. Yeah.